0: This is the municipal.
1: Have you been paying attention to like city stuff?
0: Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that <laughs> finger at you. My answer was that would be yes <laughs> and no.
1: My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government.
0: You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice.
1: It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. Ult-
0: Welcome to another episode of the Municipals. I'm Matthew. And I'm Philip. You take it, Phil. Go no, ahead. I'll
1: let it oh, Okay, all right. It's on me. Okay, it's on you. Today we are joined by uh Beth Levy, who I believe is a member of the Charter City Toronto. Uh-oh. I am it occurs to me that I'm not entirely sure how you describe your organization. Charter
2: as City a Group.
1: Of...
2: Charter City Toronto. And
1: I, I invited you on. I, I do want to talk about the Charter City Toronto thing because, you know, I do remember as I was running, I did receive an email uh, from you guys uh, about, you know, the possibility. And, of course, at that point, we had already gone through um, the province interfering with our 2018 election and really feeling that the, I want to say, the frustrating powerlessness of our inability to stop that and like that sucked but i mean that was sort of like one instance and then of course when we got to the end of the election and we found out about uh john tory and doug ford's uh strong mayor powers and legislation it was just another example of us being dragged around and and dicked around by the province um for something that the electorate didn't ask for and so it it makes me feel like the city is powerless. So I, I thought, from my limited understanding of what the, the Charter City idea is, um, it seemed like a, again, my limited understanding of it, uh, would be something that would give us autonomy from that being dragged around by the province. Um, so I'm very curious, um, what is Charter City, Toronto you know maybe very briefly and what kind of led you guys you know together to
2: come up with the idea of it so first of all um I will just say that um I was invited to be on the podcast uh late morning so absolutely no preparation for this whatsoever (laughs) but um I mean I should know these things off the top of my head being a member of the Charter City Toronto Steering Committee and thank you for having me on because there's nothing I like more than sharing my opinions with everybody who else um so charter C- so you did mention a couple of th- reasons why we think a charter is important but this there's a long history before I tell you what charter city is about there is a long history of um Toronto and probably a lot of other cities in in Canada um, being completely uh, overruled by the province because um, cities are creatures of the province and we really have very little autonomy to make decisions. And so the Charter City group started actually um, was like an offshoot of um, a group called, I think, Defend Toronto. And you'll forgive me, I was at the dentist this afternoon and I am still completely frozen. So there are certain letters that are really hard for me to say. So anyway, um, and it's a good thing there's no camera because I'm probably drooling as well. Um, Okay, so... Defend Toronto started um, by a group of people uh, who were extraordinarily pissed off by um, Doug Ford just slashing the size of city council during um, the municipal election in 2018. And um, I was a candidate in that election. And um, so that group started. And then after the election, um, it sort of morphed into a group of um, a really fabulously eclectic group of people. Some were former candidates, Um, there was journalists, there was um, John Sewell was involved Um, and it became Charter City. And the idea was that um, Toronto should adopt a charter and um, have it be constitutionally protected um, with a single, Um, province amendment um, and have the authority to make our own decisions when it comes to uh, governance um, and planning issues, um, taxation, um, a a whole host of things. And so what we've we did have um, a public meeting um, before the pandemic hit um, Josh Matlow had a really big meeting um, before the pandemic where about 1200 people came out and um, there was a panel and it, it has legs. It's, it's quite a popular idea. We've done a poll and um, the poll showed that people are in favor of a charter and, and of Toronto having, some autonomy. We're not looking to sell uh to separate. This isn't secession. We 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 would like to be able to be in charge of our affairs. Um uh, planning, transit, um things like that. So that that's sort of the very short answer of how we came to be.
1: Actually, uh I do I'm not going to go away too much from the chartered city stuff, but I am just quick curious What ward did you run in? Funny, I Uh was going to ask the same question. (laughs) So
2: I, um, well, I live in Eglinton Lawrence. Um, I have actually lived in Eglinton Lawrence for my entire life, except for five years between the ages of three and eight, when I lived in Chicago as a very small child. Um, But so I was running in what was the former Ward 16 um, Kristen Carmichael Greb was the city councillor who um, I signed up to run against and um, it was I'm obviously I'm not going to toot my own horn and say I was absolutely going to win. Um, I had some tough competition with um, a couple of other candidates that were running, but there was definitely a pathway to victory. And. Um, and then on July 20, so that was the ward that goes from Eglinton to the 401, um, the west side of Yonge Street to uh, Bathurst. and
1: That were the uh, current Ward 8?
2: Yeah, that now it's the current Ward 8, but now it goes all the way out to Caledonia. Um, oh, wow. So, which, anyway, so that was the ward that I was running in. And um, I was running against the incumbent, Kristen Carmichael Greb. And when the news broke, uh, when Robert Benzie broke the news on July 26th, I was actually sitting in the backyard of my um, boss. I had taken a leave from my job and uh, we were celebrating his birthday. And when you're with um, a bunch of uh, politicos, everybody has two phones. And all of a sudden, it was about, I don't know, 9 or 9.30. I had just finished canvassing for the day, came over to have a piece of cake. Everybody's phones start buzzing. And and everybody looks at their phones, and then they all looked up at me. And I, and they were like, oh, my God, Doug Ford's going to cut the size of council. And This was a 2018 election? This was the 2018 election on July 26th. Oh, my God, future, this is all this is all so
1: thematically appropriate. I'm so happy. uh, Sorry, this is a terrible story for you because of (laughs) the circumstances, but like, you know, how fun that it's all thematically tying together, but I didn't, oh my God, I didn't realize it was the 2018 election.
2: Yeah, it was the 2018 election. And, um, so I, I let the news kind of sink in and I sat there and I was like, oh my God, And so I had I signed up on May the 4th because I wanted to be able to say May the 4th be with you and um, (laughs) signed up to run. So I had already I didn't really start um, campaigning for myself until um, after the 2018 provincial election, because before I signed up, I was knocking doors for our incumbent MPP and didn't want to confuse people and and. So I figured I'd let that election be done. And then, you know, towards the end of June, I would start knocking doors. So I had been out in earnest knocking doors for about, you know, five or six weeks when the news broke and fundraising. I had signs, I had literature, I had T-shirts. I mean, we were going gangbusters. And um, then it hit me that I was going to be running against my former MPP who had just lost the 2018 provincial election and that was mike cole oh my god so oh shit yeah so it was it was huge and um obviously had to make a decision if i was going to continue and then you know it was the the council was taken to court so (laughs) it was a bit it was a lot of upheaval um anyway i made the decision to continue running and and that's the story
0: that's like (laughs) That's a great story. You know, um, I don't know if you're aware, but, you know, Philip, he wants to run again. And and actually, I'm going to dive my toe in as well. As long as, you know, I, once I figure out what I want to do. Um, well, cool. So any, any you know, advice or, or tips you can give either of us, uh, we'd love to
2: hear it. Well, I'm happy to give you advice uh, offline or online. All I can say is I have absolutely zero regrets um, that I ran. Um, It has, it was something that I wanted to do um, since, you know, when I want, it was something that I wanted to do since I saw an ad in a local paper when they were looking for a city councilor in my ward. And it was when, um, Karen Stintz became um, the city councilor. She was basically like answered an ad and was hired, but it was not exactly, but anyway, that's another story. Um, (laughs) And when I saw that, I was like, I really wanna do that. I wanna be a city councilor. You know, I have a background in urban planning. I'm involved in my community. I'm obsessed with municipal issues. My dad's a transit planner. I was like, I gotta do this, but at the time, in 2003 or 2004, I had two little kids. It was just absolutely not the right time, um, so I waited a lot of years. and And 2018, the stars were aligned. I all everything was perfect for me to run, and um, so I did it. And I have zero regrets. And at the end of the election, I woke up the next morning and was able to look at myself in the mirror and say, you did the best that you could do. And I didn't burn any bridges. And I, um, you know, held my head high. I didn't get run a dirty campaign or anything like that. And so that's my advice. Just make sure you can look at yourself in the mirror the next day and be proud of what you did.
0: Um, I got I got one question. So you when you ran in 2018 uh, Mm -hmm. versus I'm sure you paid attention to this election. What would you say was the difference in the media coverage?
2: Well, oh, my goodness. Um, I don't think there was very much media coverage, Um, I think because there was no mayor's race and there wasn't in 2018 either. But because there was no mayor's race, um, I ju- and it, it it was like I don't know the the media had a lot to talk about in 2018 because of Doug Ford's meddling, but that sort of overshadowed any of the individual the actual election races. Um, and I think this time it was like it was it was like such a boring election. Nobody was paying attention, which was obvious from the 29% voter turnout, um, that I, I don't think there was great media coverage. Um, they didn't do their, like, they, there's a little bit of the ward by ward races, but not a lot. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't, um, well covered in my opinion. Um, it be- was never challenged in, in the media. Um,
0: do you think that's because he works for Rogers and, and they are part of the media?
2: <laughs> well, I i don't know of, about that or <laughs> any kind of conspiracy type theories. I, I don't know, but um, I don't think, I, I think the lack of mayoral debates is appalling. Um, you know, I went to the one at the Toronto board of trade and um, I, The fact that that debate happened after advanced voting was finished, like an hour and a half before election day was just disgusting. Um, I don't think the pandemic should have been an excuse for not having large scale, um, uh, even a televised debate. Um, I just, it was just bad. It was just.
0: Well, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I hosted the first debate. Uh, it was a virtual debate, obviously. Um, no, John Tory wasn't there, and, and <laughs> Gil Penalosa wasn't there, and Blake Acton wasn't there. But Chloe Brown was there, Original Tall was there, uh, Sarah Climbenhag was there. Uh-huh. So, so you know, we we had uh, we had a good turnout. It it did go a little long, but I mean, it was my first debate, so I'm happy oh, to well, say I'm that. Sorry, that, I
2: missed that.
0: No, it's okay. It's on YouTube. Oh
2: huh. well. Um, Yeah, I I think debates are very important. And um, so that was kind of upsetting. Um, But yeah, and in 2018, the majority of the media coverage, once the cut to council happened, was the cut to council and how, um, you know, how it was affecting the ward races that way. But like, I um, remember, you know, canvassing after that cut and going to doors and ending up talking mostly about the the ward and how the ward structure was and what this meant to people because nobody knew what was going on. The constituents were terribly confused. Even constituents that are like super plugged in to politics uh, were confused. And so we would end up talking about that as opposed to you know my shiny little platform on my literature and I mean there were times when I would say don't you want to know what my platform is (laughs) (laughs) it just never came up it was just it was awful it was awful
0: (laughs) well we love having you uh, really sucks we love having you on the show you know we got lots to talk about you know I honestly thought after last week that you know it was probably going to be a boring week in terms of politics but it has been anything but oh, no. um, i have some some stuff i want to cover i'd love to get your opinion sure. um phil has no idea what i'm about to say because we didn't uh, we didn't we usually talk before the show but uh, things are sh- screwed up because we usually record on mondays huh. but y- yesterday was my son's birthday happy birthday uh happy
1: birthday uh, happy birthday. uh he, david
0: he turned 9 yeah and yeah. uh so so we're doing it today and, and so things are kind of rushed so what i want to start off with is um did you guys see the video i think it was posted on twitter of the little protest that took place during the budget meetings
2: uh which protest
1: it was it, was it was oh is no, that no. for the the, the, the fund of police? Uh,
0: yeah, they walked right into the budget committee meeting and held up a sign and there was a man and a woman and they started uh, yelling immediately, even before the yelling started, the guy was talking, uh, the, the one gentleman was talking and immediately um, from what I saw in the video, I didn't have a clear view of the whole room, but I saw Michael Thompson, Vincent Crisanti and Lily Chang get up and leave without even hearing anything they have to say. And I understand that the budget meeting is probably not the best place for a protest, but obviously we're, we're at a divide in this city where, you know, nobody's listening. So people are getting desperate. They just want to be heard. And I'm interested in your take on it. And then I was so upset that those three counselors specifically got up and left. That I wrote them all an email, and I want to read it to you. Oh. Um, I didn't get a response by any of them. Not surprised, but I, I'd love to get your thoughts, and then I'll read the email. Starting with our guest, of course.
2: <laughs> oh well, I, this is the first time hearing about um, that particular protest. Um, I do think uh, I've been paying attention to the budget process, and I do think that you you actually. Nailed it when you said people feel like they're not being heard. There's definitely that. Um, I should also say that we should talk a little bit about charter cities just for those people who are interested so we can get back to that later. But um, I think that, um, well, I mean, I don't think people are okay. I don't think our city is okay. I think the violence on the TTC and on um, the other things that have been taking place in the city um and and Tory's knee-jerk reaction to oh we need more police and that is the answer to all of our problems is knee-jerk and is is very short-sighted um and people are are rightly quite upset about that um but clearly i mean he's he got all the power so he's going to do what he's going to do but I'm very disappointed, although not super surprised that those city councillors got up and walked out. That's just such bad optics. I mean, you you stay there and you listen. You're there to serve the people. Like, don't get up and walk out. It's cowardly. Well, first of all, absolutely.
1: Um, just the, I want to, I feel like John Tory is... A, it's it's weird. I've I've said on the show before he's got like the public facing smile and in council he's like he's really quite dickish. It's it's very surprising to hear him on council. But like the fact that I think he made very clear when he talked about the giving fifty million to the Toronto police, even before the, the TTC violence uh and the TTC police, you know, partnership we'll you know get giving to that. fifty million to the police. And uh, you know, and he was asked to justify his uh, his kind of decision, his rationale, and it was really just you know he said, "This is what I think is right." It's not there wasn't any data for it. It was just, it was just you know, it's the optics of people feel like, please make them safe, so I'm going to give them, please. Um, and it's just, it's it reminds me when John Tory had sent a, it was a Twitter. And he had like an image release thing that explained how, you know, thank you for the public deputations, you know, the consultations about the budget, but we're going to keep doing what we're doing. And I just, I feel like the stone, like the passionate deputations that happens, you know, the entire time and for John Tory to, assuming John Tory paid attention to any of it, to hear it and ignore it entirely, just no no bending just thanks for coming uh it's worthless to me and it's just uh yeah it's it's these problems are so huge and I I almost feel like they're obvious you know Lily Chang talks about the community centers you know they should go to the community and not to the not to the unhoused and it's like do you not think they're part of the community it's that those actions it's that rhetoric you know walking out of a, a meeting the moment this like protest moment starts yeah it's you're part of this stonewalling city council that is you're supposed to be listening and so many people are passionately fighting for what they believe is a better toronto and they just don't give a shit
2: well, the, uh, I I'm particularly frustrated by deputations that um, feel like um, mayor and council are just sort of going through the motions. Oh, we're going to give the people their chance to have their say, but the decision is basically already made, and and they're just you know speaking into the wind, and and that's that's really disheartening. And I think that's probably um, That's been going on for a while. And I think that that's probably contributing to a complete lack of engagement municipally and people just giving up. And obviously I'll say it again, (laughs) 29% of people showed up to vote in this last municipal election, which surprisingly is even lower voter turnout than the 2018 election, which you would think people would have stayed home because of the confusion. So uh, a big problem.
0: Uh, I'm just gonna say- I'm
2: very glad you said
1: that. Oh, sorry, Matt. Uh...
0: No, I was just going to say Did one you... thing before I read the email. Um I I don't know if we covered it last week or I had a conversation with someone this week uh talking about John Tory and he said something and the way that uh it was worded I I guess I never heard it like that before but I I should have um not enough people were pissed off about the job that John Tory was doing to get out and vote. And that's crazy, isn't that?
1: See, so actually that is what I wanted to mention because that was from our, our guest last week, uh Nick Cosavan. That's and right, that's right. While thank
0: you, Nick. Yeah.
1: Oh, did you not remember? Oh, I thought you were being like I'm no, being intentionally I didn't, no, uh No, no,
0: no, I didn't remember. <laughs> I didn't remember. Sorry, Nick.
1: And the thing is, I um you know it's I didn't push back then. Uh the thing is because I think there's truth to his idea, but I think it's it's both simplistic and not the full story. And I'm just, I'm essentially what Beth has said of giving up. How many people have just given up on electoral politics where it's mm-hmm. like they keep saying these are the things we need. Um, Our lives can be improved with these things. And the city is just like, what do you want us to do? And it's like, well, and everyone's kind of screaming and using this and something, and they're like, what? No, that's not our job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very like it's, it's embarrassing, really. I mean, ultimately, why, why would you want to be on city council? Like, ugh, I feel like Lily Chang is really, in particular, quite disappointing. Sorry, I, I feel like that comes out of, like, it sounds like it's coming out of nowhere where I'm just singling out Lily Chang, especially because I'm pretty sure we had an episode title called uh, My Tummy Hurts and I'm Mad at Lily, Lily Chang. No, so that was about, That was about the, <laughs> it wasn't
0: called that, but. Oh, it oh was, you just said
1: it was My Tummy Hurts? Yeah, My Tummy
0: Really Hurts this week. Um, oh, yeah. so, so we'll get to the, to the email that I wrote. Um, okay. It says, "Hi, Councillor Thompson. My name is Matthew, and I run a weekly podcast called The Municipals, which covers Toronto municipal politics. I'm writing you this email in response to a video that it's that's made its way online. In the video, a protest against the police starts out in a budget committee committee meeting, and the video clearly shows you gathering your things and leaving. As a person of color." do you think that that was the right move why didn't you stay and hear them out i'm asking you to clarify your position for the record on the police budget increase the rash of violence within the city that has a lot of torontonians afraid of the police and why mayor tory refuses to address the root causes of crime in the first place you're welcome to come on the municipals as we always like to hear from city council members to state your position. Best regards, and I've heard nothing from Councillor Thompson, nothing from Councillor Chang, and nothing from my councillor, Councillor Crescanti.
2: Really? Well, I'm not surprised.
0: <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous.
2: Yeah, to not even get an acknowledgement from your own councillor um, is is very frustrating. Um, yeah, that's, it's I mean, very frustrating. You know,
1: while we're talking about uh, counselor communications, I think I've already said this, but I do want to give a shout out, especially because I, you know, from what I've seen of their kind of activities on, I will say mostly Twitter. Uh, that's not, people will say it's not the real world, but that's whatever, how I'm viewing it. It's um, not? I think, <laughs> please, I'm sorry. It's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's. Uh, so, you know, over this kind of winter season, I've sent a few emails about you know opening up the warming centers, and I've received responses from uh Asma Malik and uh Gord Perks' office, and I want to give them a shout out. And I also just want to give a shout out to uh Alejandra Bravo, who's just like very, um, you know, kind of very active on social media, and it's good to kind of see, see see the work that they're doing. They're very like open about where they are and and what they're doing and so that's i do want to give them a shout out for what i feel like is very approachable politics you know as you know what you're talking about your counselor not responding to you i'm not of any of the times i've emailed gary crawford i have never heard back from him
2: Hmm.
1: not once
0: you know the funny thing is, is that's exactly what I was going to do next. I was going to give credit because, you know, I don't want to be accused of being too negative. So I have a tweet in front of me from Diane Sachs, counselor for Ward 11, and it it's written, the weather is getting colder and it's vital that everyone in need can find safe shelter. With this in mind, I'm pleased to announce that I have secured a fourth warming centre for the city in my ward. More details to come tomorrow.
2: Can I just say that I think it is unbelievable that there are only four warming centers in the city the size of Toronto, but anyway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was, and the funny thing is, I was going to frame it as, you know, let's ignore every other aspect of this and just be like, cool, that's a good thing. But no, you're absolutely like, uh, I think it was, it was even, I, I feel like that goes hand in hand with, the the city's how the city has handled the the shelter hotel closing where it's like there's a timeline of the shelter hotel closing and a permanent housing solution opening and there's a timeline where nobody is covered and now it's like during the winter yeah and that passed so many eyes so many like administrative eyes that all seem to be like well that's fine that makes sense yeah, it's not it's not what we're talking about, but I, I feel like it's connected tangentially. Yes,
0: absolutely. And uh, with that, I want to talk about the violence on the TTC and and just the absolute absurdity of it. But before I do, um, I had promised uh, last week that we were going to end it on a chuckle, and I don't think I hit the point. But I guarantee you this next video I'm going to play is going to make you laugh. It'll make you probably angry, but it'll also make you laugh. And I think that's worth it. So I'm just going to play the video. You guys will only hear the audio, but, uh, and then we can talk about it. I suggest you guys call customer service and maybe put in a complaint or two. Maybe you should even call the mayor's office and give yourself or give him a piece of your mind, that's probably your best option at this
1: point. I have no control over this. Once again, folks, there is no subway service between Pausington Station and Keel Station. If you'd like to voice your displeasure, you should probably call the mayor's office, John Tory. He's the one who's in charge here, so you should probably call him and let him know what you think about this. There is no subway service currently between and
0: And Keel Station, you head on upstairs, there's shuttle buses running. I do apologize for the inconvenience. I do apologize for the lack of communication for transit control. These guys really don't care
2: what you guys are doing. So once again, folks, please watch your displeasure with the mayor's office and customer service. There's no subway service between oj and Keel Station. Your thoughts? (laughs) Well, as soon as I saw I saw that on Twitter, I can't remember who I had, had seen it post, but then everybody was posting it. But um, the first thing I thought of was, oh, my gosh, I hope that that TTC employee <laughs> was planning on quitting or something, because I really figured that they might be in a little bit of trouble. But it was, I mean, that is just the... Um, whatever the line was, I'm mad as hell and I'm not gonna take it anymore. Line from some famous movie or something. Um I think I'm dating myself. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean I I kudosed a person who just said, look, it's not my fault. <laughs> oh the frustration.
1: Bill you gotta, you know hold on, hold on. You gotta do the guy did, and did it make you chuckle. I love that man. Of course it made me chuckle. He's like, he's, he should be TTC employee for life. I mean, you know, we're uh, I'm sure we know how the customer service industry works. Uh, Honesty is not quite the best policy, Um, but he is absolutely my favorite TTC employee that I'm aware of. Um, Good for him, but like. Do we think he's still employed? probably not. I I the TTC does have a good union though. Yeah. That, that is, is like true. my one saving grace. Thinking like oh they're not going to let him drive a train anymore but like he might have a job somewhere. I hope please or yeah. be good. Uh but like we're all it feels like we're all in this <laughs> Sorry, maybe I'm speaking too broadly if I say this. We're all feeling like in a downward spiral where everything's getting worse and the solutions aren't the solutions.
2: Oh, careful, and, and it's, it's starting just... to sound like Pierre Polyev. <laughs> <gasps> oh, no. oh, no. It's broken. <laughs> oh, and actually, you know what?
1: I will say, here's the frustrating thing about Polyev is that I feel like he is correctly pointing out what the issues are I think the problem is I don't believe conservatism has any answers for any of the issues he's pointing to like very simply, I don't believe he's got the answers to any of the issues he's bringing up that are real issues. But again, I don't, I don't believe for a second that, and that's maybe not fair for me to just immediately say that I don't believe he gives a shit for a minute, but hold on. Since
0: since you brought it up, we'll sidebar this for a second. Uh Oh, um,
2: <laughs> I think I, I brought I, it up, but sorry. I, no, it's
0: okay. I, I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring. Is that we've seen what Trudeau can do and what he can't do more specifically. I think that anything is better than what we got now. That's that's the reason that Kathleen Wynne was not only voted out of office, but her party was reduced to ashes because of the job she did. So it, is is that the future for the federal liberal party? They're going to be reduced to ashes once Justin Trudeau retires or loses or, w- or whatever happens. Is that what's going to happen?
1: Uh, I don't look, know.
0: Look, look at what happened That's to not- the look at what happened to the NDP party when Jack Layton uh, uh, passed away. I mean, Thomas Mulcair did his best, but it was never as popular as it was under Jack Layton.
2: I don't
1: know. I, don't know. <laughs> I feel like I just I feel like I just wanted to dig into Palev. And now and so, we have to think about federal stuff, Matthew. Come on, we went too big. We went too far beyond our bridges. We're good. Let's
2: let's go no back comments down. On federal politics. How about that?
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I do have another video. We're not I the wa- federal pals. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I do have another video I wanted to play for uh, regarding the TTC violence, and then mm-hmm. uh, we we can talk about the attacks.
2: Police officers. Police officers on the TTC. You really think that is going to stop all the violence here in Toronto? Guys, we have a problem and it's called the homeless crisis. And right now
1: the TTC has become an extension of the homeless shelters. We have the
2: shelters are capacity. There's no room for anybody. So what is the actual problem? It's the homeless issue in Toronto. We need support. We need mental health support. We need support. Substance abuse support. Come on. It's exhausting that no one else is talking about this. Everyone needs to have a little more compassion. They need to understand what is happening in Toronto.
0: (sighs) And then, you know, there's the two stabbings. Um. I believe a kid got shot, if I'm not mistaken, as well. And, yeah. Phil, did you hear about the two TTC employees that were chased down the street by someone with a syringe? Yeah, yeah. And now they're putting police back on, or sorry, they're putting them on uh, the TTC. I I thought the TTC had their own quote-unquote Fair cops. Why can't I mean? I think fair cops are a bad choice anyway. But if they're there anyway, why can't they do the job? Why why are we involving the police?
2: I think the pro- they increased the number of um, the TTC. Um, yeah, security as well as police officers. So I think there's two. Yeah, that's things.
1: that's part of the fair increase,
2: I believe. Yeah, uh, my concern or my my frustration is that um, we unless unless we have learned about the perpetrators of the recent um, uptick of violence on the TTC, um, and we know exactly who these people are and what they're um personal life situation is um a lot of people are drawing a lot of conclusions and so there's the whole the thing with the premiers all coming together and calling on bail reform and parole reform because they they seem to be equating that with the violence that's going on on the TTC i mean i think Del Duca just jumped on that bandwagon and said i totally support Doug Ford and his call for whatever it was he's calling for so I think there's like huge um, conclusions being made, and we don't have all the facts. We don't know the the who, who, what the situation is of all of the people um, doing these crimes. Um, so I think that there's a danger in sort of just um, painting everybody with the same thing. That they're not all homeless. Um, there might be some element of, of um mental health going on with some of the people um there was that horrible swarming incident um that happened ttc employees and the gentleman that was stabbed by that group of girls i mean they met on social media apparently so pretty sure they weren't all out on bail or parole um so i i think we need to be careful (laughs) um when we paint these people with the same exact situation until we know more information generally i think people are not okay Uh, i think absolutely people um are sleeping on the ttc and using it as a place to hang out because there are not enough shelter spaces that is blatantly obvious um so I'm not sure that more police is the answer and uh, that was actually what I tweeted immediately when that was the solution that was offered it was like I don't think this is the answer um it never seems to be the answer it's extraordinarily reactive not proactive but you know I don't have all the answers
1: Bill I I think the frustrating thing is um not only do I I agree with what you're saying Beth uh, almost completely so uh so while I'd prefer there to be no no cops on the TTC while while we're dealing with the reality that cops are now on the TTC I do have a weird thought where it's like it's phrased as it's they're not regular shifts they're overtime shifts no <laughs> uh and why why can't they just be shifts regular shifts like it's is that not just part of misappropriated, like, police funds? Why Maybe. are you just making it over? Like, am, do I fundamentally misunderstand what it is they're saying when they're saying these are, like, overtime shifts?
2: Because yeah, that, that so. says to me
1: that it's, like, like they do a regular shift and then they do, a sh- you know, they continue, and that comes with, you know, the bonus of more money. Why would they not just be regular shifts? If it's so important to have police on the TTC... Why is it not just a regular shift? So again, my preference is none, is zero. Um, again, that's not a very, that's not a very comfortable answer, because you know the real answer to how do we solve all this, you know, the crisis and the violence that's happening in the city is of course, uh, just material support. You know, that's a that's a very simple answer in my mind. But it's like, because that's not what John Tory is offering, while we do have police on the TTC, why is it this way? And again, what we're seeing, what we're seeing from like, you know, the little snippets of footage we're getting from um, the police on the TTC uh, is, what are they doing? They're like shaking awake homeless people who are asleep. I don't think sleeping homeless people are stabbing people in the face. Just, you know, as a thought um that's i don't know that's my my simple thought on it's it's hard it's huge it's a big problem but big we need problem. we need a serious we need serious leadership that john tory in his ninth year as mayor is just like if it wasn't there in the last eight years where is it going to come from
2: now i think part of the problem is um the solutions that a lot of the um, um, the activists and the the people who work on like on the front lines um, I don't know if I was going to call them street workers but that's the wrong term um, the people who <laughs> work in the shelter system and who are trying working hard every day to get people spaces and shelters um, I think um, it, it's a a very, it's not a simple fix. It's not a simple solution. So I think saying um, we're going to have more police on the subway and that's going to solve the problem. um, It's a very easy thing for the mayor to do and for people to think that the mayor is doing something when what we know is that the people on the front lines have been calling for more mental health supports um more supportive housing and these are the things that have been called on for years they are much harder to do um quickly and in the short term um so and that's the unfortunate thing like they're not easy fixes but they're the fixes that i think have been proven in other jurisdictions to have helped alleviate this problem um so i that's why I think it's so easy than the knee jerk is uh, we're just going to have more cops. It, and it's very visible. You go on the subway, you see that police officer and, and I guess it does make people, some people feel safer and it makes some people feel very unsafe. I
0: absolutely agree with you. Um, I have a tweet here from a lady named Denise Balkassoon. soon. Um, <laughs> And I'm just going to read it. It's from two days ago. Oh, okay. uh, it, it says, I just got off the TTC because a man who clearly fell through whatever quote unquote safety net we have left in this city slash province slash country uh, decided to whip it out. I was with my kid on the f- uh, on the first very crowded streetcar in 20 minutes. I do not want this person arrested. I want a better city.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I saw that.
1: That's
2: very upsetting. Absolutely. It's a very compassionate response though. Yeah.
1: Like so many people would just be like, Oh my God, you know, this guy, you know, disgusting. I mean, you know, it's almost like I'm saying he's not those things. (laughs) Like it's not a good thing to do, but like, you know, someone else would just be like, I don't know, immediate death penalty. I I know not that they're being dramatic, but, you know, we sort of see. uh, No, let's not get into. Sorry, I was I was thinking, you know, I was getting into some like abolition stuff and like, no, I I don't want to get too deep into that. I'm not too deep into it myself. So let's not get too deep into that. But it's like it's a very. It's a hard situation because that is it feels like we're all, as I said, and again, also, as I said, but also don't want to extend it too much, but I probably will. I feel like we all sort of feel like we're in a bit of a downward spiral. <laughs> Maybe a bit is putting it very nicely. Um, no, actually, I have I have no more thoughts. That's just like, what more could you have done in that situation? Well, I do unless have a, you wanted to be combative.
0: I do have a video. One, one last video. I'm gonna play, and then, uh, then we can go on from there. Because I have a letter, uh, from John Tory about mental health and I have a letter to John Tory from counselors and uh, I'm, I'm going to read off who signed it at the bottom and we'll, but we'll go from there. But uh, let's check out this video here.
1: Is anyone else considering leaving Toronto? Cause it's not even a consideration at this point. I I'm going, um, this is not a life that I want to live. It's not a life that I want to raise my kids in. Um, the fact that, you know, just leaving your house in general is fucking terrifying now because people are getting assaulted on the street, on the TTC. Um, I'm done. The violent crimes in this city is just not worth it. Gas is expensive. You can't afford groceries. Rent is expensive. Um, there, There's really no life here anymore. There's really no life here. Is it? That-
0: what do you think?
2: Um, well, I'll will start. Um, I that first of all, that makes me sad that she feels that way, and I am not going to um, um, belittle any of her fears. But we have to keep in mind that, generally speaking, first of all, gas is expensive everywhere, and rent is expensive everywhere. But, <laughs> um we still live in a very safe city um toronto is still on like per capita or whatever with other cities around the world i mean we this is still a a safe city um a reasonably clean city i know that's hard to believe with our disgusting garbage cans um
0: hey it's not vancouver
2: yeah what yeah um which, you know, you turn the wrong corner in Vancouver and it's like, holy shit, what did I just walk into? We don't have that here. Um, there are very few areas of this city that I feel unsafe walking. Um, I happened to be um, at King and Young on the Friday morning when that woman was pushed to the ground. I was having coffee at Danine, which was like right there. I did not see it happen um, and I was quite shaken when I got home and heard the news that that had taken place exactly there. But, um, I still continue to take the subway. I still continue to walk alone. I, um, and I, I feel safe. Um, shit happens. Shit happens everywhere. Um, you have to be on guard everywhere. Um, and yeah, so, so is, is Toronto becoming Gotham city? I, I don't want to, to feel that way um, because uh, I think we're, we're going through something right now. Um, It does seem like it's a lot, um, but generally this is, this is still, this is still a good city. It's still a good place. Um, And if we all leave, yeah, it's going to become Detroit. Wow.
0: I love that. I think we just got the title for our, our episode.
2: Oh.
0: Toronto, uh, I'll, I'll make something up with okay. uh with thro- throwing throwing gotham city in there uh, somebody um, else said
2: ooh. it I, I don't know who it was but i read something like and i thought oh my god no we're not gotham city
1: i mean if we did we could have a batman i mean that i think it was cool. actually i was talking to my brother uh on the way home today and i actually i had apparently I haven't seen the new Batman movie, the one that came out last March. Pandemic time is weird. I don't know where we're at. Was it, it's
0: not important. <laughs> I haven't but, uh, seen, I haven't seen but it I was... either.
1: <laughs> and I had like, he had made a joke about, you know, I made a joke about him being the chief of police. It's not important to set up for why that would happen. But he was like, you know, all we really want to do is set up a bat signal. And I kind of joked like it would be like a psychological trick. Because then people would be like, "Uh, you know, it's not real. Batman's not real. But what if he is? And apparently that's sort of what happens at the beginning of the Batman movie. So (laughs) that's very funny. That's hilarious. Again, I haven't seen it, but uh, I should watch it soon. So
0: I'll just quickly read through. No deeper thoughts. We read through uh, Mayor Tory's statement calling for National Mental Health Summit. Uh, It's dated January 25th, 2023. We are facing a mental health crisis in Canada, and we are seeing the effects of it here in Toronto every day. I've been discussing these ideas for years now, but with the current mental health crisis, today is an appropriate day to make a more detailed statement. Last year alone, demand for uh, psychological services in Ontario grew by 50%. And according to Ontario Psychological Association in our province, Approximately 900,000 young people are living with mental health illness. According to CAMH, one in two Canadians have or have had a mental illness by the time they reach 40 years of age. Perhaps the best evidence of mental health crisis comes with substance-related issues, which of course have a direct relationship to mental health. Nationally, from January 2016 to June of last year, 32,632 Canadians lost their lives as a result of an opioid-related death, with 90% of them occurring in BC, Alberta, and Ontario. Uh, Opioid overdoses now account for more deaths in Canada than car accidents. We can't just recite these numbers, we need to do more. A lack of mental health supports undoubtedly contributes to a number of issues we are seeing in cities across the country. Some of this may have been brought on by the pandemic experience, and it's high time we took an urgent in-depth look at the possible cause and effect. Despite our limited means as a municipality, in the 2023 uh, budget, we have committed 1.3% 5 3 million in direct tax-based funding to Toronto public health for mental health and addiction support. More than, uh, more than this, we've committed 13.75 million to the landmark Toronto community crisis services pilot, the maximum amount requested to support and grow this program, grow the program this year. So the trained mental health professionals can respond to calls diverted from nine one one in lieu of police for individuals in crisis. We're working hard as a city to responsibly scale this initiative that has shown great success in its first year. Mental health care is healthcare and it should be treated as such and funded like the rest of our healthcare system by the provincial and federal governments working together.
2: Hmm. Your thoughts? Well, I'll go. Yes. Um, I have so many thoughts. Um, my first thought is I. I find the timing of his um desire to have a national health summit interesting. We have probably needed a national health, uh, mental health summit, for a very long time. And the fact that he's proposing he, he's proposing this after we're having this um, uptick of violence, it's um, I, the timing of it. I, I don't like the timing of it, is what I'm trying to say, because it's making the assumption that everything that's going on in our city right now is because all the perpetrators. Are mentally ill and highly violent. And that is actually a fallacy um, that at which people who suffer from mental illness are probably more um, at risk of harming themselves than others. And to say that the reason why, the, the number one reason why all of this is happening in our city right now is because all those people are mentally ill and. If we have this summit, that's going to solve the problem, al- along with more police officers and mounted police officers, I might add. Um, so, so I don't love the timing of that. We definitely have um, an addiction issue, and we definitely, and there's probably been an uptick of that um, with pandemic because my God, people are not okay. Um, but, but to make that connection is just it. That it's very upsetting. It's it's wrong.
1: You know, it kind of makes me think it's like, uh, I hope I'll be able to make this connection make sense. That's always one of my concerns is that I'll try to explain something and it doesn't come across as making sense. But it it sort of feels like it's, you know, calling for a national mental health, you know, crisis summit. Uh, you know, after there's a crisis, it's kind of like using police to solve problems because police don't you know, they don't address the root causes of these problems. They come after the issue comes, you know, Mm -hmm. so John Tory, you know, he's looking for answers after the fact, instead of, you know, things that could have been done, you know, to improve supports and all that stuff. So it's just, it's, it's, it's not addressing, it's not addressing the bottom, the issues, the root causes but it's, it's coming up with the bandaid solutions afterwards for everything. And that seems to be John Tory's answer. Maybe I'm getting too analogous, but it feels like that's sort of John Tory's answer to everything. It's what is an issue? Uh, Let the issue get bad and then try to solve it. But, you know, in this case, he solves it wrong, but that's, you know, we're not there yet.
0: what you're saying is this is reactive instead of being proactive
1: Right. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of what John Tory's entire mayorality has been. And in fact, even just getting elected was like, you know, reactive to, uh, you know, following Rob Ford. Hmm. So it's just, you know, it's just, I, I feel like he is just a very reactive mayor. And this just goes along with that. It's not, it sounds good. Like, it's a good thing for them. It's a good thing to happen. And as Beth, as you said, it should have happened already. Oh, yeah. At this point, at this point, it's reactive.
0: I have to agree there. So I have one more letter I want to read. It's from uh, city councilors to the mayor. On Thursday, January 26th, we learned through your live announcement with Toronto Police Chief Myron, I'm going to butcher this name, Dem- Demke and ttc and ttc ceo (laughs) rick leary that 80 additional toronto police officers would be deployed to the on the ttc effective immediately to increase law enforcement presence on public transit recent tragedies have increased to uh, the urgency to ensure safety for transit riders and operators who are understandably concerned however there are range of different approaches to increasing safety and well-being on public transit and in our communities as city councillors representing different areas across toronto and entrusted by our constituents to make informed decisions about city policies and resources and as transit riders ourselves we have a number of questions regarding this announcement that we wish to share at this time number one what is the cost per day of deploying 80 additional Toronto Police Service constables on public transit who will be compensated through overtime pay? Uh, A, 1A I guess, Um, how many shifts will the 80 additional officer deployments cover? B, um, how long will this enhanced law enforcement presence be utilized for please provide a duration period so we can understand total costs c how often and on what timelines will the effectiveness of this approach be assessed d where will the funding to cover this increased deployment come from e will the tps bill the ttc and or the city of toronto for these services F, what impact will the costs associated with this deployment have on the TTC's operating and capital budgets, including the 9% cut to transit services included in the proposed 2023 budget? Number number two, recent data from the Toronto Police has shown uh, systemic discrimination in use of force by police, including... That Black Torontonians are 20 more times likely to be killed by a Toronto police officer than white residents. Toronto Police Service data also showed dis- disproportionate use of force against Indigenous, Latino, Middle Eastern, and Southeast Asia individuals. With this in mind, what is the TPS and TTC's planned approach to develop a system uh, system safety? and wellness plan that ensures past violence and discrimination experienced by black and individ- uh, sorry black and indigenous transit user users along with members of other racialized communities will not be repeated and then it's a to be How will TPS and the TTC work with community stakeholders, city teams, and partners like the Toronto Community Crisis Service, Indigenous Affairs Office, uh, Confronting Anti Black Racism Unit, and internal? TTC departments, including the diversity department, the racial equity office, and the research and, and now, uh, analytics division to co-design and test this approach. See how will community stakeholders be involved to shape the, uh, that approach and what will the systems and measures uh, will be to put, uh, sorry, measures will be put in place to ensure community accountability. Number three, anecdotally from staff, an estimated 30% to 50% of TTC special constable interactions involve passengers who are experiencing homelessness, uh, have a mental health challenge, are in crisis or are under the effects of an intoxicant. Recent video footage shows officers waking a man who's sleeping on a TTC and not posing a risk to other transit riders. At a time when warming centers are often inaccessible, shelters are at capacity, and temperatures are below freezing, many are simply turning to the TTC as, as the only option for respite. So 3A, what alternatives are considered to increase safety on public transit and respond to the needs of people in crisis, including investing in trained, crisis response and mental health outreach workers to proactively support these transit users? B, how might an increased presence of TTC service staff support or flag instances where passengers may be in need of some sort of assistance or flag elevated levels of risk? C, how will the uh, TPS and the TTC ensure that additional officers dispatched to the TTC have the appropriate training to de-escalate non-violently when needed, and the ability to distinguish between individuals who require de-escalation and those who are simply seeking respite? And finally, D, how does the cost of hiring 80 additional crisis response and mental health outreach workers to work on public transit along with the 80 additional TTC service staff compared to the costs costs associated with deployment of 80 overtime Toronto police officers. What cost analysis were done to evaluate these options and what were the total estimates? We look forward to hearing, to reviewing your responses to these urgent questions. This letter is signed by Amber Morley Ward 3 Gord Perks, Ward 4. Alejandro Bravo, Ward 9. Osma Malik, Ward 10. Josh Matlow, Ward 12. And Paula Fletcher, Ward 14. I know that was a mouthful. I I apologize.
1: You know, um, Beth, when you were talking about uh, uh, running in 2018 and how there was, of course, the the one issue that... uh, You know, you wanted to talk about your platform and uh, everyone was more interested in talking about the confusion of Doug Ford, you know, fucking shit up, (laughs) to put it simply. (laughs) Um, You know, there's now, of course, this would be my own fault for not being a stronger, louder candidate. But I really thought there wasn't a lot or I really wanted there to be more conversation around the the police report about their um, use of force and race that came out um early summer last year mm. and it didn't seem like that was a thing that that a lot of people were talking about so i'm very happy to have these counselors sort of bring that up as part of this you know and they're not even uh i've seen uh, another former candidate uh simon fogel sort of uh into to can't uh, said his Bravo. Name. listen uh, i know sorry it's it's fine listen it's fine <laughs> You know, but he was like, he was criticizing uh, Alejandro for like, you know, it's like every other system in the world has this like, this is obvious sort of thing. I mean, in the way that he always is like that. Um, But it's like, you know, she's not even saying <clears throat> no. She's asking questions. She's doing her job. Mm-hmm. And she's, and I think she's doing a great job being a voice for her constituents. It's, she's not saying no. She's saying we just want the evidence that this will actually do what you want it to do. And it will, and it will happen economically because that's important to John Tory evidently, you know, and like, I don't think it was, it's a great, it's a great letter. It's a very good, it's a good thing to do.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you think that um, they'll get a response
2: no. <laughs> maybe not a public response. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. M-
0: more of a private talking to?
2: Yeah, maybe a little chit chat and then maybe they'll choose to report back to their constituents. I mean, they have to tread carefully on this. Let, uh, first of all, my cynical view of the world is they're politicians and they <clears throat> want to be reelected. So if If polling and, um, you know, water cooler talk is showing that um, putting more police on TTC is extremely wildly popular with um, people in Toronto, then um, the city councillors can't come out swinging against it um, because they have to you know, represent their constituents and, and satisfy them if they want to have a job again uh, because, you know, certain things people won't forget. So that's my cynical view of the world is that, you know, they're politicians and they want to get reelected. And this is popular for a lot of people because it really looks like um, somebody's doing something.
1: I've seen even people just making little tweets that are just like, you know, yeah, thank you for the the police being here, I feel safer. And again, at the moment, regardless if you are safer or not, the important thing in that sentiment is the feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, that person, again, like we can talk about the issues that, you know, policing aren't the solution long-term or even immediate, but for a lot of people, that feeling is there. They're not concerned with the the problematic aspects of the police on the TTC. They're not worried about them shaking awake, homeless people. Sorry, I realize I've turned that into, like, very bad, like, turning this person into a villain, uh, this hypothetical person into a villain. But, I mean, there are people who also aren't that, I want to say, socially aware, and who, again, not making them out to be a villain, do just think, you know police i'm safe and that that public perception that's hard to fight against if it's regardless um you know even say like um as if it turns out to you know these wards the constituents it's popular to have the ttc on the police yeah like the constituents you're there to serve them so it's even if that's not what you think is You know, it must be hard to be a city councillor.
2: Well, you have to walk a fine <laughs> line. And yeah.
1: Here I am. I'll get a call from uh, Gary Crawford, just like, hey, listen to your podcast. Thanks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, Beth, I, um, I have a question I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, I, I try to ask all our guests. I'd love to know what your um, position is on the Gardner Expressway. Uh, wh- whether you'd be in favor of tearing it down and are you aware of the cost Ooh, to yeah. keep it um I don't know if the correct term is rehabilitated um
2: okay. oh yes I am uh, aware of the cost I believe it's is it two billion dollars
0: every four years
2: yeah um I am it's funny so my father is a um a transit planner. Um, well, he's retired. He's going to be 89 years old on Monday, but um, he... uh well, happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. I'll let him know. Um, yes, he happy birthday. Has, was a transit planner in the city for over 60 years, is often quoted in the paper and, and you know, as transit expert. Um, and it's one thing that my father and I disagree on. He... he uh, I'm not outing him in any way he thinks that there needs to be the gardener because you need to have that that southern um route across the bottom of the city and i completely disagree and i think that um if we first of all toronto loves to call itself a world-class city world-class cities don't have highways cutting through the city and i know that it's at the waterfront like it's down you know close to the waterfront but um it's still is cutting through the city. World-class cities don't have highways in them. Um, It needs to go. I cannot believe we're spending $2 billion. It's still not too late to reverse that decision, John Tory. Um, And we could do a lot more with that money. And uh, yeah, so I think it's, it's a terrible decision. I thought it was a terrible decision in 2018 when I was running. I think it's a terrible decision now. So
0: yeah. I, I'm going to, I have some thoughts I wanted to share. Um, I think the only reason that it's it's still there uh, is because of what's going on, on at, at Ontario Place. Um, I think That's that Doug Ford told him that it has to stay. Well, then uh, Doug
2: Ford can pay for it.
0: And I also think that we can do a lot of things with the $2 billion we would save, Mm -hmm. like restoring every unhoused person's former life. That way city of Toronto does not have an unhoused issue, a homeless issue. We have, we create, and in doing so we create taxpayers, we create um, contributing members of society. And that heals us as a city I don't know if uh, I'm just a dreamer for saying that, but this is something that I really believe in um, and that I would even push if I decided to run.
2: Well, that's an interesting thought on on its connection to Ontario Place, which I also think is a complete disaster. And I don't think that John Tory is standing up um, strongly enough for um, the case for Ontario Place. But um, we're talking about the Gardiner um i i don't know if it's if the two billion dollars that we save is actually two billion dollars extra in our budget because i don't even think we have the money to pay for that but um you know, I, I do know.
0: Know, i do know that we have two billion dollars in the reserve
2: for it okay
0: that's what that's what was quoted to me so
2: Okay, so then, yeah, it's it's a it's a, absolutely the wrong decision. Um you know, we could use that money to improve our transit so that um, we don't need that gardener. Um, i I just think it's a terrible, terrible waste of money and it's not it's not what world class cities which i hate that term because i think we oh toronto such a world class city um it's it's not what cities are doing now we're not rebuilding highways inside of cities they're being torn down they're being turned into boulevards parks um surface uh roadways with bike lanes and sidewalks and and not a highway oh god I think are we the only city in the world that's actually doing this it's just it's shocking absolutely the funny thing is I I didn't
1: there was no part of me that ever considered it weird that we had a highway going through our city until you said that no other city has that and I thought about it and it's like oh I mean Boston, does, true. But
2: they buried theirs. It was the big dig. Okay. But, but we're we not going to do about that. Boston. Yeah, we're <laughs> not, we didn't do that. And the 401, when the 401 was built, that was like the edge of the city. There was nothing north of there. And it was, you know, wilderness. Now it's like the 401 actually cuts through the middle of the city, but we're not getting rid of that. We're just, you know, adding more lanes every day, it seems. But um yeah, the Gardner. Has
0: no business being there right now. I absolutely agree with you. Um, for a minute, I'd like to dip my toe into um, something that concerns Doug Ford. Um, mm, there is <laughs> there is a there is a tweet um, by a uh, global news uh, guy named Colin Demello. Uh, I think he used to work for CP Twenty Four, but anyway. Um, it says Premier Doug Ford says he's quote disappointed to hear the federal government said he could intervene in any greenbelt development. This yeah. is our jurisdiction. I th- so basically I guess they, they've hinted that they could stop him and he doesn't like that, but he interfered in two municipal elections for Toronto.
2: Yeah. It's really rich hearing Doug Ford talk about, um, people dipping their toes in other people's jurisdiction. I like pot, meat, kettle, like that just made me chuckle. But, um, yeah, I was pleased to hear that the federal government was paying attention to the greenbelt issue and, um, I think it has to do with um, certain species and environmentally sensitive things that they can, there, there's like a way that they can sort of um, take a look at things and maybe hold things up. So so let's hope that the um, federal government does um, follow through uh, on this because um, <laughs> I can't believe he brought up jurisdiction. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's why we need a charter so that we can't have Love profits overruling it. the city's governance uh, decisions, right?
0: So let me ask that's you something. Matthew, let me... how did
1: you, Matthew, how did you so perfectly bring us back to the Charter City? We can talk about <laughs> Charter City again.
0: Let me ask you. You brought us back. I have a question about, <laughs> about the Charter City, and I, I'm unclear if there's already a model in which you would follow or you I guess create your own model um but theoretically speaking wouldn't that mean that the mayor would be in charge and couldn't be overruled so does that mean that I I'm confused so
2: um
0: we would be at the mercy of John Tory theoretically speaking of course
2: are we already yeah so (laughs) okay so here's how i answer that so um i don't know how there would be a strong mayor so yes um it may be a john tory type mayor it may be a more progressive mayor that depends on who the people vote for um but my my sort of um hope is that if there is a charter, and there are other cities that have charters, um, I just can't think of them off the top of my head. I think possibly Chicago has a charter. Can I jump in
0: for a second? Sorry, because you said one thing I wanted to clarify. You said strong mayor. So does that mean, so Toronto doesn't have it right now, but if we were to adapt it, does that that mean that all the um, laws and statutes that currently exist we have to carry them forward, like the strong mayor thing,
2: and then, in, um, and
0: then in that instance, the same rules would apply, where the mayor would only need one third of council.
2: No, 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 no. I, I, no. I'm just
0: confused because you said the word "strong mayor,"
2: right? So, um, how do I explain this? Um, there would there would be um. Uh there would be, it would be a I guess it would be a strong mayor but not like the way people are thinking of it right now because um we would have um you know our, a set of rules that we that the city of Toronto has come up with right now the strong mayor that we have is like he can overrule things that are of uh, in provincial mandates so it would be a whole different bag of potatoes but but the issue is that if Toronto has a charter and if Toronto is able to um, be in charge of its own governance, I think that people, this is my hope, the outcome would be that people would be paying a lot more attention to municipal elections and they would, um, how do I say this, elect better people because they would have a lot more um authority i guess because almost anything that we do in this city can be overruled by the <clears throat> province um it seems like our planning decisions um can be overruled by the province um things like that so people may pay more attention and um but yeah you could still get bad city councilors and bad mayors and um so we would have to have more citizen engagement
0: and then my other question would be, um, I mean, I know how the structure works now, but how would we get our funding? Would it be still the same way or we would would we get it directly from the federal government instead?
2: No, I think we would be able, what we're proposing or what we would hope is that we would have other um, ways to raise revenue. Um, we don't have a lot of revenue tools um, or ways to raise money. Um, so the we would still get money obviously from the feds and the province, um, which is why a lot of people say, well, why would the province want to give up, you know, all of the tax space that we bring in? Um, there would be a shared responsibility, but um, we would also have the ability to maybe implement a city sales tax, um, things like that. Um, you know, and remember, this isn't just a a Doug Ford issue. There was a time when Mayor Tory went to Kathleen Wynne and asked if we could have road tolls and she said no. Um, So this is, uh, you know, they also were um, against that, um, the Liberals were also against us having a revenue stream, but we would be able to make that decision on our own. We wouldn't have to go to the province and ask permission. I believe he described it as in his little boy short pants going to the premier to ask permission for that. But um, yeah, so you know, city <laughs> sales tax is one of the things that, as an example, that we floated um, a way to raise revenue.
0: Okay, that's uh, it's it's definitely intriguing. Um, I'd love to hear more. Um, I mean. Maybe- Maybe if I, I if I, I have think sorry, go ahead.
2: No, I I think the idea, um, I think people need to be educated on what it would mean for the city, um, and you know, that's what we're trying to do, like through a series of, hopefully, public meetings. Eventually, um, we we trying to get in touch with city councilors to gauge. A majority of the city councilors did fill out our. Survey and are in favor of a charter. So, you know, I think it's it's obviously a long-term project because, you know, the the present-day provincial government is not supportive, but the um the Greens and the NDP in the last election um were in favor of it. So I, I do think that it is something that we need to investigate because Toronto's the economic engine of The province and if not the country and um we don't get to keep a lot of the the tax base that we bring in um and we don't get to make our own decisions uh, about our governance and planning um i don't know why somebody in sudbury should have a say in what happens at young and eglinton um so i i and i think that if Toronto has had a charter, I think that um, people might be more engaged in municipal politics because it would matter more, you know?
1: I think if people got the sense that anything happened politically that wasn't just their life getting worse, I think they would probably, like, be more on board. That's just the sense I get with John Tory as mayor. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't inspire I feel like I'm I'm losing where I'm where I'm going here. Um you know, it as as I said earlier, it feels like you know, John Tory doesn't listen. But it, it sort of felt like no it, it that sort of feels like it's a it's a politician thing, right? It's not unique to John Tory. It sort of feels like a lot of politicians are beyond our reach. And I I just I get the sense that people don't vote when they feel like it doesn't matter. Yeah. So if there was something in place that, you know, gave us, as as we're talking about autonomy, you know, uh, as you pointed out with um, Kathleen Wynne said no to the tolls, Doug Ford also said no to the tolls. Exactly. Um, And that was like the the image I was thinking of, where it was like John Tory almost having a moment of like an alternative way to pay for the gardener, which is, well, we could toll it. And then Doug Ford immediately being, nope. Yeah. Don't like that. Don't do that. No, no. Mm. Nope. So- um, God, we just we need and I, I think that's also the thing in my head that makes it hard to implement while we have a mayor like John Tory um, a premier like Doug Ford, it feels almost like we have to oh my god, I was, it almost sounds like I was going to complain saying, we have to do the hard work first before Ooh. we get the good outcomes? I, I was straight up about to say that and then it occurred to me, I was like, right I guess that's pretty standard political action. I think
0: <laughs> I think what we need is better representation. Um, with that in mind, I just want to get your quick com your quick thoughts about the possibility of Mike Schreiner running for the <laughs> Ontario Liberal Party.
2: Well, uh, yeah.
1: Do you quick want to pause? Anything? Absolutely not, because. I'm gonna run for the leader of the Ontario Liberals. They can't do any worse than me. I'm not serious, but it's a very funny thought for me. I am gonna probably joke about it constantly on my Twitter. Um, I'm not serious, yeah. but I also don't think Mike Schreiner is gonna seriously go for the Ontario Liberal leadership.
2: I uh, i am on record on Twitter as saying that I think it's a, a smacks of desperation and I'm very disappointed course i will eat those words if mike schreiner you know goes away thinks about it has his walk long walk in the snow decides to cross the floor and become a liberal um i am disappointed i i really like mike i actually i i like mike i think he is one of the most respected people in the legislature but everybody likes mike everybody likes mike but If you're not plugged in, if you're not uh, paying attention to provincial politics, or you don't live in Guelph or wherever his riding is, do you even know who Mike is? And the answer is probably no. But then when you find out that Mike has been the leader of the Green Party since 2009, and then he was asked by a bunch of people- Abandons that. Pardon? And then he abandons that for the
1: liberal party
2: yeah uh, and people cross the floor all the time but i i i, I don't know uh, to me it just really seemed like a desperate move um like the the liberals just threw their hands up and said and, and i am a member of the ontario liberal party and i just paid my 250 dollars to go to the agm in um, oh, wow. Hamilton and booked a hotel room because I'm not gonna drive back Ooh. and forth or take the go. Um, but yeah, I, I I was kind of disappointed. I, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bad. Okay, well, Beth,
1: you can't always, I don't know how uh, party leadership nomination works, but you can always nominate me.
2: <laughs> okay, well, and the funny thing is the <laughs> last thing that I did before the world shut down in March of 2020 was go to the leadership convention. Um, oh shit. When Duco was elected and I left there so dejected. I was so upset because I, <laughs> I, I told anybody who would listen that I thought he was a terrible choice. This is the wrong thing. And gosh, I hate it when I'm right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And here we go again, just like, why are they doing this? They're not even giving the people who are liberals, who are investigating running to become leader, a chance that, that they're all being overshadowed by this. I, I don't know. It's just. Bad.
0: So if you had to, I hate to use this word, but I can't think of another word. Fantasize about who the next uh. leader Of the if if it was your choice only, who the next leader of the Ontario Liberal Liberal Party could be, whom would you choose?
2: Uh, Out of anybody in the world? No, no, no.
0: Anybody of that's that's available. You know, you can't pick Justin Trudeau because he's he's the prime minister. I
2: wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't pick Justin Trudeau. Um, (laughs) uh, You didn't hear that from me. Um, you, (laughs) You know what? I'm not going to pick somebody mm-hmm. of the four that have put their names sort of have been floated yet. No. What I will say in my humble opinion is I'm not sure that we should have, oh, this narrows it down. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure that I'm wholly in favor of somebody who can be, tied to the former win liberals be the leader because they will always be painted as oh someone from the win liberals the win liberals it'll all just like Del Duca I mean he was in cabinet that Del
0: Duca it, issue yeah I completely agree with you
2: so that is my um my thought is that I just don't I think we need somebody fresh um preferably maybe not from toronto um i i don't know and i i every day i rack my brains trying to think of somebody who could be the leader
0: randy hillier <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah.
2: wild
1: card baby. um
2: the other thing that i find really that is so funny the the other thing that i find really interesting about um, asking um, Mike uh, to be leader or to run for leader—is he's publicly talked about um, the Catholic school system and de- and not funding the Catholic public school system and maybe amalgamating the boards? I'm not sure exactly what he said, but I I think that that's a very interesting thing that they would have to deal with because that's political suicide although i totally agree but um that would be an that's going to be an interesting one to deal with if he does decide to do it wow and And
0: and to close out tonight uh i couldn't think of a better way to close than to pay homage is that how you say it to um the late Hazel McCallion. Yeah. You know, we talked about her last week on our show. Now, this was last week. We didn't know that what happened this week was going to happen. Um, we got on her a little bit because of her strong stance for the green belt and then the reversal of that strong stance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to clarify that that is why we – well, I said what I said, um, but I also said that I highly, highly, highly respect her her body of work, her time as the mayor, and I think that um, I think overall we did lose a good one, and and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts, and then Phil, if you wanted to end it off, we can we'll go from there.
2: Well, I mean she was um, definitely a trailblazer. Um, I never had the opportunity to meet her in person, but I mean, as a woman in politics, um, I think that, um, I don't know, She's she definitely opened the door to other women in politics. Um, so, you know, as a woman, um, I sound like Selena Meyer on VEEP, as a woman, um, <laughs> who at one time was in politics but uh yeah so I mean she was very impressive she and and if anybody to keep going for as long as she did um was just amazing so yeah definitely a loss um but she she definitely left a mark on Mississauga <laughs> that's for sure Phil <laughs>
1: Uh, unfortunately, I was not very kind to Hazel last week. Uh, I said something along the lines of, Hazel McCallion says, fuck them trees. Uh, (laughs) I don't, uh, I don't take it back. Uh, I said what I said. But, you know, I don't know. Death, death is a hard subject. I, I I wouldn't want to talk bad about, you know, anyone post- i don't know um
0: i guess what i'm searching for is how do you think she'll be remembered
1: oh i mean she'll be remembered as a very i feel like she has a lot of uh she has a lot of goodwill attached to her um i don't know uh how highly i think of her legacy but i know a lot of people do think highly of her and i mean one person's opinion isn't going to you know I heard of that much
2: well yeah. she'll definitely get a park or a stadium or a community center named after her if she hasn't already um she does have a great name for that though yeah
0: the hurricane hazel or is, that arena. A, is that a weird
1: thing yeah Ooh, that's not bad yeah.
0: well i want to thank you so much beth for coming on and and uh uh appearing on the municipals i mean yeah. we're we're welcome to any even you know what even the counselors that we give shit to like lily chang and michael thompson they are welcomed on the municipals they're they're not they're not going to come but they are welcome everybody's welcomed, even john tory is welcomed on the municipals um but well, thank you so much for, thank you so much for coming out i know we ran a little late i apologize for that but uh Thank you again for coming out, and thank you to Phil for for putting us in touch. I had a lot of fun, Phil.
1: Thank you for coming on such short notice. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I am who I am.
2: That is okay. Luckily, I had nothing happening today other than the dentist, which you'll be pleased to know I am finally completely defrosted. So, and well, nobody that's... noticed any drool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hello, well, that... small child.
0: Next week this we are. Next week we are going to be. Uh, we may have a couple of surprise guests, and in two weeks we are going to be hosting the former uh, candidate roundtable, featuring Gil Penalosa, <gasps> Sarah kleiman Hag, <gasps> and others like Reginald Tall, Nia Singh, and a few others that I'm forgetting. But I will uh, advertise it on Twitter, so we'll fill and and we'll uh, hopefully everyone that is listening right now will tune in then as well. But again, I just want to say thank you and uh, it's been a blast. So to my listeners, no problem. To my listeners, uh, uh, for Phil, thank you guys so much and uh, we'll see you next week. This is the municipal.
1: Have you been paying attention to like city stuff?
0: Don't vote, can't
1: bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that
0: finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no.
1: My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government.
0: You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice.
1: It's it's he's already he's already failed
2: to vote. Ult-